0: Christ Church, New Malden, 2nd of February, 2020, 11 o'clock service. Katie Lofman speaking in the series, Romans and the Covenant, the Covenant and the Government. Well, good morning. I think that uh, Stephen has arranged the preaching programme very well to arrive at chapter 13 of Romans, two days after one of the most politically charged events that our country has ever known. So we're talking about government two days after Brexit. And we're talking about taxes two days after the deadline for submitting our tax return. Yes, I got mine in on time, phew. In Romans, Paul has been talking about life under the covenant. And he talks about how the gospel transforms us, not only by the renewing of our minds, but by renewing every aspect of our lives as a living sacrifice. Nothing is secular, and nothing is irrelevant to our faith or irrelevant to God. Everything is part of our relationship to him, even our taxes and our political life. I don't know about you, but when I was doing my tax return, I wasn't consciously thinking about it as an expression of God's covenant with his people. Um, I'm not sure my accountant was either. And yet that's what Paul says it is. Romans 13, verse 6, says that we pay taxes because the authorities are God's servants, and they depend on our money to live on because they give their full time to serving God by governing. So we should be joyful in paying our taxes because it's part of the God given order of the world. And Jesus said the same thing. Whose head is on the coin? Caesar's, of course. So give to Caesar what is his, your money. And give to God what is God's, your all, because His image is on you. There's no reason to not pay tax just because you don't agree with the government, or if they ask for too much money. And both of those were probably true for Caesar as well as Nero. That's no reason to not pay tax. The Bible says we have to. It's one of the ways in which we submit to the authorities as good citizens. It's one of the ways we acknowledge that those authorities are God's servants, and we support them in their service. So the first part of chapter 13 tells us to be subject to the governing authorities because they're put there by God. Do you sometimes find that hard to believe? The events of the last two or three years in this country have certainly knocked some people's faith in our government and even in democracy itself. Yet these verses say that Parliament, the royal family and our system of democracy was established by God. And our MPs, Boris Johnson and other rulers, are God's servants. And I think this extends to others in position of authority as well, like the police and teachers and even parents. They have authority because it's given to them by God, and we should respect that and submit to their authority. The Ten Commandments tell us to honour our father and our mother, and Paul here tells us to honour the rulers of our country. Jesus submitted to the authorities, and he paid his taxes, even though the authorities were corrupt and unjust. But at the same time, he was working to put those injustices right. I bet the Christians in Rome that Paul was writing to, I bet they found it hard to believe that their governing authorities were put there by God. They were living under the emperor Nero, who was no saint. Life wasn't easy, especially for Christians. Taxes were high, and we see from the book of Acts that Christians, including Paul, were tolerated at best, persecuted, and executed at worst by the Roman authorities, There's no way that we can say, well, it was all right for Paul, things were different in those days. Yes, things were different in those days. They were worse. So how can we possibly go along with Paul? This is an example of the Christian perspective of now and not yet. We live in the here and now, in the light of a kingdom that's not quite here yet. Although Paul says at the end of chapter 13 that that day is almost here. Its rays are visible just over the horizon. We live in the light of that dawning day, even though we're still in the darkness of a world full of evil. Is this madness? Is it doublethink? Are we deluding ourselves about the nature of reality? No, we're living in hope. We're living out our faith that God's kingdom will come. It is coming. And that time is nearly here. And when we live in the light of God's future, our lives become like a prophecy. We're living prophetically. The way, that way of seeing it reminds me of what Paul says in Ephesians about marriage. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 says... Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Now I don't know how many marriages are literally like that. The husband giving up himself for the wife, like Jesus. The wife treating her husband like Jesus. When couples first get married, they're full of love for each other, aren't they? And it's a delight to submit to someone who's giving himself up for you, and vice versa. When you love someone, you want to put them first. But of course, no one can keep that up. It's impossible to sustain that ideal state in every aspect of our life. So no marriage is perfect. And yet, the failure of the other party doesn't let the other one off the hook. They should still fulfill their own side of the bargain, just as God fulfills his side of the bargain when we're unfaithful to him. Ephesians says that the way a husband and wife relate to each other is a symbol of the way we relate to God. By sacrificing themselves to each other, they're being a living sacrifice to God. So for a married Christian, their marriage, however imperfect, is part of their covenant with God. And it's that principle that guides and underpins their behavior, even if we don't always see it in the everyday reality of life. And that's the same as what Paul's asking us to do with the governing authorities of our country. Even though those authorities may be less than ideal, that doesn't let us off. When we submit to them as law-abiding citizens, we're living out an aspect of our submission to God and His law. But it works both ways. Rulers are meant to be subject to God. A governing body, taking these verses seriously, would never be despotic or exploit the population. They would be humble before God, knowing that they were sharing God's work of governing the world doing God's will, and acknowledging the power of the one that gives them authority. Just like the perfect marriage, if the governing authorities were submitting themselves to God as they should, we would have no problem submitting ourselves to them. It would be a delight. So Paul tells us again to live prophetically, to live in the knowledge of what's really going on, who's really in charge. Even though it may not look like it on the surface. We can see this in practice when we read about the kings in the Old Testament. Some were good and they recognized their position under God, and some didn't acknowledge that and went totally against God's will. And the people suffered as a result. Yet the Bible makes it clear that God is ultimately in charge of who reigns and who doesn't, regardless of whether they do it well or not. And 1 Samuel makes it clear that God was in charge of the whole process of getting a king in the first place. So it makes sense for us to submit to those authorities as we would submit to God. He's our God, we're his people. God expresses his rule over the government No, God expresses his rule through the government that he puts in place to rule us. So when we submit to that government, we're actually submitting to God, we're expressing our status as God's people, we're living out our covenant relationship with him. Submitting to authorities put there by God is an expression of God's covenant relationship with his people. So this means that God's covenant expands to include rulers, despotic or otherwise, all over the entire world. God's covenant is not just with the Jews. It's not just with the church, but it's with non-Christians of whatever their status all over the world. All are under the authority of God and all are part of God's covenant. What we're hearing from Paul now is that God's covenant applies to everyone, whether they're a Jew, a Roman emperor, a Brexit prime minister, or a Christchurch Christian. He's not just a God of Israel or the God of Christians, he's God of the whole world. We heard earlier in Romans the shocking news that God's covenant with his people is open to the Gentiles who've been grafted into the Jewish vine. Jews had been expelled from Rome a few years before by the Emperor Claudius but Nero was now the Emperor and many Jewish Christians were returning home back from exile, only to find that the church they left behind had changed – it's now full of Gentiles! This letter from Paul helps them to accept the Gentile Christians as family and to reintegrate as a church in a totalitarian society. And now Paul's telling them that everyone else is under God's covenant too, whether they acknowledge it or not. So if God is exercising his own authority through our governing authorities, then who are we to question them? What about the laws they make? If we question the authorities, if we question the laws that the authorities bring in, Are we setting ourselves up in judgment above the law, saying that we're above it? Are we saying that this is a good law, I'll obey that one. This is a bad law, I won't bother to obey that one. I'm going to disregard it. Is that okay? Or should we blindly obey every law they make, good or bad? Well, no. We're lucky in this country because most of our laws are based on Christian principles and we rarely have to ask that question, does this law go against my Christian duty? We haven't got many laws which require us to go against the Bible, but that's not true everywhere and it certainly wasn't true for Paul. When we look at Paul's life, we see that there's a difference between obeying the law and submitting to the authorities. Throughout this passage, Paul uses the word submit, not the word obey. And he's talking about submitting to the authorities, not obeying the laws. And we see Paul putting this into practice in Acts. The disciples are disobedient to the law because they continue to preach the gospel even though they've been told not to. And as a result, there are legal consequences, but they don't try and get out of it they submit to the consequences of their actions. In fact, Paul, even by saying what he says here about the authorities being under God, was probably breaking the law anyway, and he would certainly be winding up the authorities. I'll tell you what I mean. You know how in earlier times, pagan people worshiped the sun and the moon, but Genesis tells us that no, you should only worship God because he's the one who created the sun and the moon. In Paul's day, Roman emperors wanted to be worshipped as gods. But Paul says, no, you're only an emperor because our God lets you. And it's his authority that you're governing with. God is the only one that we should worship. And Paul gives Christians this different perspective to submit to the emperor because he's God's servant. And even by saying that, Paul was risking breaking the law. Martin Luther King knew a thing or two about breaking the law. In his letter from Birmingham jail in 1963, he said it was important to distinguish between just laws and unjust laws and then to work to get the unjust ones changed. And he was put in prison for doing that, but he said this, I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice, is in reality expressing the highest respect for law. So Martin Luther King was submitting to the governing authorities, even though he was working hard to have unjust, racist laws changed. David and I went to see the new Terence Malick film, A Hidden Life, on David Taylor's recommendation, and it was very good. It's about an Austrian man who's called up in the Second World War, and when he gets there, he finds that all the soldiers have to swear an oath of allegiance to Hitler, but he refuses. He says, how can I submit to authorities that are evil, and asking me to do evil? And he gets put in prison and repeatedly they try and get him to change his mind. And his family are shunned in the village and even the man's lawyer tries to get him to take the oath. But he won't. And eventually he's sentenced to death. He refuses to change his mind and he says, To suffer injustice is better than doing it. He does the right thing despite the law. And without resistance, he accepts the consequence at the hands of the authorities. The man in a hidden life is not so different from Daniel, who refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and found himself in the lion's den. Or the disciples in Acts, who refused to stop preaching the gospel and ended up in prison. Or Martin Luther King, who wouldn't stop campaigning against racist laws. So we must keep our wits about us. We must test everything we are required to do, against God's command to love God and love our neighbour. We shouldn't blindly obey everything. We can challenge individual laws and we must fight injustice when we see it. But Paul is asking us to do that from within a context of submission to the governing authorities generally. When I was preaching on something similar to this, a while ago I talked about a man in China who wrote a book called The Heavenly Man and they talked about the oppression that they were under for being Christians and they were put in prison and tortured and it was all illegal and people said to him, don't you pray for the government to be changed? And he said no, we never pray against the government because the government is put there by God. We only pray that God will enable us to do the right thing under that government. And that's an incredibly challenging position, isn't it? So how hard is it to believe that God is sovereign over the whole world and sovereign over the UK? According to Paul, all the rulers of the earth, including Boris Johnson, and all our MPs are put there by God's authority. Like the kings of the Old Testament, They may be bad or they may be good, but they're part of God's covenant with humanity. And our response is to respect that and submit to them. Submitting to the authorities is a covenant act and a prophetic act, because when we do it, we're also submitting to God and we're living in the light of God's future kingdom, which we can almost see just dawning on the horizon.